I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Let's get hyped! Welcome into the Husker 24-7 Hypecast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts, Brian Christopherson, and this week's special guest from The Athletic, Max Olson, making his Husker 24-7 Hypecast debut. Max, how you doing today? I'm good. This is an honor. Appreciate to, you guys having me on. It, it is a big honor. Uh, I mean, it's a, a well-known fraternity here in the Nebraska media. Uh, congratulations on... On uh, you know breaking barriers and and being the first member of the athletic, I don't think we've had Mitch Sherman on. That's probably an oversight on our. There part. must be some some beef there, guys. How's the week going? How you doing? Pretty good. Golf game's not great, but pretty good. Okay. Yeah, I'm 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 hanging in there. Um, it, it you know there's been a little bit of material to cover, so that's that's that that keeps us on our toes. Yeah. Yeah, they're even they're even changing up the, the the off days and stuff, kind of throwing some little curveball in your your season. I mean, that's uh, for for us people of routine. I could see that being a little challenging going forward. Really messes with a guy like Bruns. You can kind of see it on his face right now. It's been a disturbing week for him. Yeah, Bruns is definitely uh, a man of routine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he needs those three a.m. football games on Saturday, or he's not going to be happy. That's true. I've I've been uh, I've been going back over that Georgia Southern film, so I'm I'm ready to, to to chat. All right, let's do it. All right, so on the hypecast, we dive into a little bit on the offense, a little bit on the defense, and then we get into some predictions. We'll start here on the offensive side of the ball. Max, you knew Casey Thompson far more than any of the three of us when you watched him with Texas over the years. You've now seen him in a couple games. What do you see any difference from Casey Thompson and from his time at Texas with what he's doing at Nebraska now, or has he largely kind of been the same guy that he was for the Longhorns? Yeah, I think pretty similar to what you saw in the first half of the season last year at Texas before uh, the thumb injury obviously made it a lot more difficult for him to, to throw the ball effectively. I think the thing for me that um, I was concerned about with Casey Thompson is when you go from playing in an offense with 
Um, B. John Robinson, who's one of the best backs in the country, and and Xavier Worthy, who was a freshman All-American last year, and kind of the playmakers they had. Texas had their struggles on the O-line last year too, but um, I kind of wondered, like, in moving over to the Nebraska offense, kind of would they have the right pieces around him? And, and to their credit, I think the the wide receivers they picked up in the transfer portal and the addition of Anthony Grant, I think he's actually got a pretty good supporting cast around him this year. That, that Those pieces came together well, and you saw them, you know, you, you've seen, especially last week, the ability to go score points when they need to. But, um, yeah, I think he's been pretty solid. You know, I hasn't turned it over – a ton, um, but certainly when when you're kind of playing with slim margins like Nebraska is, everyone kind of uh, counts. But no, I think he's been been pretty solid about kind of what I expected so far. BC Nebraska's running back situation has kind of sorted itself out. It was pretty crowded at the beginning of fall camp. You had four guys sort of vying for playing time, but right now it feels like Nebraska's got a one-two punch of Anthony Grant and AJ Allen. Do you feel like? through the first three games of this season that those guys sort of represent the, the upside of what Nebraska can, can do in, in its rushing attack this year? Yeah, I think so. I, I And one of the encouragements actually from last Saturday's game was I felt like the O-line um, paved a little bit more space for them too. Again, I know it was against Georgia Southern. I mean, obviously Georgia Southern won the game, so I want to down talk them, but defensively they were, uh, they were outdone in the weight category up front and stuff like that. But the Nebraska's O-line did lean on them in that game. And uh, that was a nice thing to see because I felt like the first two games, it was more Anthony Grant making stuff out of nothing in a lot of cases, uh, which is a credit to him. But I, you, we'd all wondered how that would like translate as you get into better competition against better, better athletes uh, throughout this season. So I like their two backs. Um, now they got to show they can hold up through the grind that really begins, I think, now. I mean, there's some nice bye weeks dispersed through this season that are going to help them out. Uh, but that's the big question now. Which of those two guys is sort of that three-month guy, you know, who can hold up? Um, everything about Anthony Grant, though, has been impressive. Durable guy, gets extra yards after contact, can make people miss. And A.J. Allen seems like a Big Ten back at first glance, and he's only going to grow into you know his frame more and more as a, just a first-year freshman. So that's an exciting part of what's happened. Brunts, Nebraska's leading receivers in the Northwestern game were Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda, and then Travis Vokalek had a pretty big day as well before going out with an injury. Since then, in the two games that have followed, I don't believe that Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda has another catch uh, since his first four against Northwestern, and then they didn't have Travis Vokalek for a pair of, of weeks. Who's kind of picked up the slack for Nebraska at wide receiver, and and have you seen some guys sort of emerge uh, as pass-catching options in this offense? Yeah, I mean, they've kind of gone away from the the tight end. I mean, they, they the threat is there at least, and, and Chancellor Brewington's made some catches, but it feels like Marcus Washington's taking on a little bit of a bigger role in, in, you know, kind of stepping in for Garcia Castaneda. I mean, you kind of had the very sudden appearance of Oliver Martin the other night after he pretty much disappeared um, against North Dakota. So that kind of rotation and how they use guys is going to be interesting to follow, especially with, you know, Mickey having head coaching responsibilities now. So, I you know, I think Washington's been pretty good. I mean, he made that really nice catch towards the end along the sideline. Uh, that, that got reviewed and, and uh, overturned, I guess. But, 
you know, for the most part, I think the, the wide receivers have done enough to, to kind of, you know, give Nebraska a chance. I, I would like to see Garcia Castaneda get involved a little bit more because I think he can be a guy that stretches the field a bit um, if they can, you know, protect for Casey enough. So, um, you know, I think for overall that group has been pretty good. Um, it, it's just been, you know, kind of a rotating cast of characters. And I like the offense a heck of a lot more if they can get Travis Vokalek back and, it looked like at least from uh, pouring over the uh, the practice film that he's at least in a green Jersey at practice now. So day to day. Last year going into this game and this question's kind of for everybody. So we'll just go around with it. Last year going into this game, the, the story was Nebraska was going to have to score at least 30 plus points to, in order to win. The expectation was the defense wasn't going to be able to hold Oklahoma down. Same kind of deal going into 2022 where Nebraska's defense playing even worse to start the season. But we don't really know what Oklahoma is at this point in time. They did have a, a nice win against Kent State after a slow start. Brunts, we'll start with you. Like, what, what is the magical point number that you think if Nebraska hits on Saturday, they have a chance <laughs> of winning? It's like a dual-sided question. Like, the offense has to be able to put up X amount of points, but then that means the defense holds it to, to one less. And that feels yeah. like the tougher number to figure out. I, I It feels like if Nebraska is going to have a chance, it's the, the offense is going to have to take care of its business. But at the same time, I don't know that like that's the type of game that Nebraska really wants to get into with Oklahoma either. So I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth there. I What, 30? I mean, 35? Like – how many points is this defense going to give up? I mean, that, that's the question. Well, they gave up 45 to Georgia. So I know I, like, are we 70? Like, what are, what are we talking here? <laughs> I mean, that, that's kind of where, where things are trending right now, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the game, plan... it's just nicely in that 46 to 76 kind of range there, you know, okay. somewhere, somewhere Good range. In there, a wide runway. I, I do think though, that the game plan that Nebraska used last year against Oklahoma is kind of how they have to approach it and pray to God that the defense holds up. I mean, I, I think that's just kind of w- what the, uh, the recipe is, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just don't see a high scoring game ending well for Nebraska in this matchup whatsoever. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of the farmer's dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra processed kibble and started eating fresh whole food. The farmer's dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I think you just gave us a subtitle for this episode. Pray to God the defense holds up. <laughs> you know, I think, I think that's going to go over real well. Light a real candle well. for the defense. That's where we're at. <laughs> uh, Max, from, from what you've seen from Oklahoma so far, I mean, obviously Dylan Gabriel is, is their new transfer to Jewer. What, what else do we know about this Oklahoma offense? What should we know about this Oklahoma offense? 
Yeah, it's funny. Like if Nebraska weren't working through uh, its unique set of circumstances this week, I imagine there probably would be people who who would point to last week's Oklahoma game and be like, "Man, we kind of got a chance this week." Because you, you, if you turn that one on, Kent State did some good stuff, and it was seven to three at halftime. Um, they were able to get stops on Oklahoma's first four drives on offense, and Kent State was able to hold the ball uh, for twenty minutes out of thirty in the first half. And so that's. There's probably some similarities there in terms of what Nebraska needs to do. Now that'll be an interesting challenge for Mark Whipple in terms of just how do you kind of figure out that right approach to um, control the game the way you want to. But I, I think for, for Oklahoma, um, Dylan Gabriel was a really important pickup. I think he's a really talented guy um, who can kind of put the ball wherever he wants. They're still kind of figuring out the Jeff Levy offense a little bit because Jeff Levy wants to go really, really, really fast. Um, he's had, you know, top five offenses in the past few places he's been, there's going to be a real high scoring potential with this team throughout the year, but they're still kind of working through the kinks a little bit early on. Um, I think Eric Gray, the running back who, who came from Tennessee, uh, is a really nice piece and, uh, and they have Marcus major backing him up. I think they're going to have a pretty solid run game that Nebraska is going to have to have, have some good answers for because Eric Gray can hit explosive plays. And then at receiver, Marvin Mims is really special. He didn't get the ball enough last year in Lincoln Riley's offense, but um, he had a big game against Kent state, that receiver group, you have Theo Weiss back, but they didn't feel like they had great depth there uh, at receiver and added some guys this off season. Um, it's not maybe as scary a group as when they had CD lamb and Marquise Brown and those guys, and then offensive line, they've dealt with some injuries. I'm trying to get some guys back this week, but off- offensively, um, it's a it's a really fast system. Nebraska's going to need to make th- those those pre snap adjustments pretty quickly because they're going to go pretty fast tempo. Um, but right now, Oklahoma not quite executing at the level that they probably will be in October, November. BC Nebraska's kind of one change that we know of a little bit defensively Eric Shenander expected to work more with the safeties kind of moving forward what have you seen from the safeties this year it's largely been Miles Farmer and Marquise Buford Buford had two interceptions last week but it seems like Nebraska has kind of made that a point of emphasis uh, to to get a little more individual coaching for those guys what have you seen from the safety spot this year uh, well, you've seen a drop-off. That's what you've seen. I mean, De- Deontay Williams and Mark Dismuke just had a steady hand back there. And um, I, we've said this all, even it leading into this season, there was a worry about how quickly the, these guys, Farmer and Dismuke, or uh, Buford, could get up to the same speed as those other guys. I think maybe the ceiling of some of the guys on the roster could be higher. Like Buford, I think, can be a heck of a player in time but you're watching him have to figure out the process through trial and error a little bit. And then Miles Farmer, um, more of a veteran guy, to be honest. And uh, I just think in some key moments, it, it just hasn't been there for him. So it's got to, it's got to arrive this Saturday. Like he's got to be that guy on uh, you know, a, the third and eight play who makes a tackle in space is in the right spot and keeps a guy uh, a yard short of the sticks. Those are the type of little plays. They're not little, um, that are what Nebraska is going to need to pull off the upset here. It's going to have to be a complimentary. The thing I remember about last year's game was Nebraska played – it was very rare for Nebraska, but they played very good complimentary football in that game, actually. I know there was the field goal and the, the blocked extra point mishap and all, all that stuff, but they controlled the ball with some third-down conversions on offense early – um, and they kind of made it a game where you're looking up at the clock. You're like, okay, the first quarter's already gone. It's still a zero, zero. You know, it was just it, time was their friend in that game. And I don't know 
how Nebraska is going to navigate that because both teams like to play kind of fast and stuff like that. So I don't know if Nebraska is going to want to try to slow it down a little bit on offense, but it's going to come down to that third down conversion sheet to me. Um, can Nebraska have uh, a good percentage there and keep Oklahoma way down there? And I think a big part of that's the safeties for Nebraska. Can they make plays on those money downs? Brunts, where, where, if anything, or what, if anything, can Nebraska do differently with its front seven at this point? I mean, is there is there really even realistically something that they can do outside of changing out personnel? And even then, it sort of feels like you've got your best guys or your thought-to-be best guys out there, save for Nick Henrich's injury. Uh, do you foresee any kind of shift now that Mickey Joseph is a head coach with what they've been doing up front? I don't, I mean, I don't, you're right. Nebraska, I don't think has, you know, been saving somebody, you know, through the first three games, it's all of a sudden going to appear and change the the picture there. I do wonder if you'll see a little bit more Kolarovic at inside backer than maybe what we've seen uh, to this point. I mean, as BC kind of talked about, you know, Buford at safety. I think Ernest Hausman's kind of in the same boat an inside backer where you're being thrown into a really tough spot being asked a lot uh, in terms of getting guys lined up and, you know, coverage and, and things like that. And I think he's kind of been picked on um, when he's been in there. And I, I would expect Oklahoma to kind of try to do the same thing. But I, I think, you know, if you're looking just strictly straight personnel, I mean, maybe Clarevic more inside to give you a little bit more veteran presence there. I think he's, you know, he runs well. I, I think he covers okay at that nickel spot um, to, to move inside. But, I mean, I, I think when you're kind of looking at matchups with Nebraska's defense and Oklahoma's offense, the, the play of the linebackers scares you a little bit and seems like a, a place where, you know, an up-tempo offense can really get some stuff done in the passing game against those guys. I mean, it, I would be shocked if it's just not crossing routes for days on, on Saturday. BC, real quickly, the special teams – Last year's Oklahoma game is when the dam kind of broke. I mean, mm. you had the missed field goals. You had the blocked extra point. You had the inability to sometimes flip the field. Uh, and that was when, you know, the noise really got loud with the special teams only to, to borderline erupt with the Michigan State game the following week. Where where are you at with what Nebraska's done with their special teams so far? Obviously, Brian Bruschini having great success. Timmy Bleakroad missed a field goal to tie the game on Saturday night from 52 yards, but did hit an earlier one this season uh, from, I believe, 40. Uh, where where are you kind of sit with Nebraska's special teams right now with sort of the emphasis that they put on it in the offseason? I mean, they are improved. Uh, and uh, uh, Brian Buschini is the big reason for that. You feel like they have a reliable punter now, so that's a help. It's hard to judge the place kicking game too much yet. Like I know the numbers don't look good, but two of those misses have been beyond 50 yards, mm -hmm. very difficult situations. So Timmy bleak road, I don't think has really gotten a chance. I mean, he missed the one early, uh, like 37 yards, but he came back and hit like a 46 yarder, which was promising. So, I mean, this is the type of game where I, you would think you might see him a couple of times and, and we learn a little bit more if he can get, get a run going here if he can hit a couple 40 yarders stuff like that um otherwise the thing that's disappointing still to me is like never does nebraska have a kick return where you're like oh that was interesting they popped <laughs> it out to the 40 yard line or something 
And so, you know, you'd love to see that one time where a guy just kind of breaks through a crease and gets it out to about midfield or something like that, or they just know when to return it and when not to. Um, but otherwise, I, I don't want to just bash it. I think there are pieces that are better um, when they're not calling for onside kicks or just sort of weird stuff that popped up the first two or three weeks. Um, I think the bones of it are all right, but at some point that return game needs to to be a presence. Max, neither coach from last year's game is is going to be there on Saturday. Scott Frost is gone. Lincoln Riley is off to USC. Oklahoma had to make a hire this offseason from what you've seen and, and with your contacts in the Big 12. How have things gone for Brent Venables since taking over there? Yeah, I think that uh, from day one, that that's one the one hire that, I mean, they explored other people, but this was the the hire that the fan base could very, very easily get behind as uh, kind of the one of us kind of guys that they felt like they needed. Um, it, obviously someone that has Bob Stoops endorsement and Bob Stoops stepping in like he did after Lincoln Riley left, I think was huge for kind of holding the family together there and reminding everybody that this is uh, bigger than one guy. Um, and, and I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but that, that Lincoln Riley divorce is, is still pretty contentious. People, people still, Still in Oklahoma, they have some thoughts on the guy. Um, Brent Venables, I think I think he's built a really good staff. Um, it was a guy that obviously this is his first time being a head coach, and and there's been you know the Kale Gundy thing in fall camp was obviously pretty pretty startling just in terms of uh, like pretty big issue to deal with on 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 their end early on there. But um, I think I like what he put together in terms of his staff. I think Levy, um, with his experience in the Big Twelve, working under his father in law Eric Riles at Baylor, I think he he has a pretty good sense of how to. Uh, build an offense that can uh, can be really explosive. You know how that complements a Brent Venables defense will be interesting to see how that evolves over time. And and as Venables gets the pieces he needs on defense to uh, to really be dominant as he was at Clemson, um, I think that might take a little bit of time. And, and but they're recruiting at a really high level, um, and and I think that people are pretty pretty happy. I, you know, obviously he comes with kind of that blend of his, his experience under Bob Stoops his experience under Bill Snyder, and then a ton of experience from, from working with Dabba Swinney and Clemson. And so I know he's brought in coming back to Oklahoma, the, he's brought a, a pretty heavy uh, Dabo flavor to the way that he's uh, trying to run that organization and build it up and, and make it bigger and all that. But um, it seems like it's off to a pretty good start just in terms of what people expected. And just w- with where Oklahoma's at, like obviously they're in the top 10 right now, but I don't know that anybody feels that they are necessarily like the automatic big 12 champ this year. I think the, the conference looks pretty, pretty competitive. There's probably going to be a bunch of teams this year that are, that go five and four in league play. And Oklahoma's got a pretty tough road ahead here. They've got K state next week. Um, so this is a big game for them in terms of just showing uh, the progress they've made here in the first month. All right. Good stuff. Time for oddly specific predictions. We'll start with Michael Brunts. We had a rough week last week um, in the old predictions department. Um, Nebraska did not get three sacks. Um, no. I don't even think they got three <laughs> pressures. Um, it's so, possible. Yeah. Um, you don't get Big Macs for pressures. No, no. It's uh, Yeah, you, you get nothing. You get maybe like the burnt hash browns. That, that's what you get for pressures. Um, I, think, I think Brian – Hitting on Timmy Bleak Road. I'm I'm gonna try to go with Bleak Road again. I I, I see a three field goal day. I see a 27 yarder. I think he hits from 31, and I think he bangs one in from 42. So mm. good good day for Timmy Bleak Road. I don't know what that means for Nebraska's chances of winning if they're trying to field goal Oklahoma to death, but 
I, I think Timmy has a good day. All right, BC. Um, Nebraska is going to get the football to start the game, and, and there's going to be a lot of fire in the stadium. Mickey's first game as the interim head man, and they're going to they're going to march down the field in seven plays and score a touchdown. Um, however, on defense, throughout the game, they're going to give up four third down conversions on catches to Drake Stoops. Um, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Drake Stoops, if you remember, first off, Drake Stoops seems like one of those guys who's just going to burn Nebraska on third down. Although I was looking at it, Oklahoma's only 106 nationally in third down offense. I know we're only two games into the season, but they've they've scuffled a bit there. But Drake Stoops is he made a big play on Nebraska last year in that uh, 23-16 game that kind of turned things. So I, I I think he'll get loose for a few. BT and I have a similar idea. I have Nebraska winning the uh, the coin toss, getting the ball to start with. And on the game's third play, Trey Palmer breaks a touchdown on a uh, miscommunication on Oklahoma's defense. He's able to get open. He houses it from, let's say, because uh, Nebraska will attempt to return the kick and be short of their own 25. <laughs> let's say it's a 77-yard touchdown for Trey Palmer. Everyone is fired up in Memorial Stadium, and those are Nebraska's only points in the first half. Seven points in the first half for Nebraska, and it comes on the first drive of the game. Max, do you see what we're doing here? I do. Yeah, um, man i I really want to I really want to meet you guys at the creativity level you're at here. Um, okay, do you remember last year a fellow by the name of DJ Graham? Yeah, he had the big interception the catch. Right? One of the and best then, picks of the year. And mm-hmm. the Nebraska fans were taunting him because he made an incredible play and he should have batted the ball away. That's right. Falling sideways in the air. Then I is, believe he sold T-shirts yeah. of that play and, and really was a, a star for about a week there. I will say DJ Graham has one pass breakup in the game, but DJ Graham does not have uh, a sports center top 10 play. Okay. Poor DJ Graham. Might as well just stay home, right? <laughs> or maybe he'll just get even more famous than ever. I don't. I, I don't <laughs> maybe maybe a one he'll catch one one handed with his other hand this this time or something. We we know who Max's pick to click won't be, and it won't be DJ Graham. But do you have a player, Max, that you expect will play well on Saturday? A pick to click. Uh, let's see. I will take. <laughs> how about i'll take uh i'll take garcia castaneda i think it's it's time to get him uh, a little bit more involved in the offense and uh i i think it's uh i i, I could see him having some success against an oklahoma secondary that uh you know really wasn't very good last year and and is still kind of trying to rebuild a little bit under venables all right bc um, real quick, by the way, Drake Stoops only has five catches so far this year. So if he catches four third down receptions, that's pre- that's pretty darn good. Um, but that would happen in Nebraska, that sort of thing. Anyway, Trey Palmer is my pick to click. Um, I keep saying this, uh, and I I think it could happen this week. He's going to get loose on that home run play um, at one point. You know, third it's play like, of the game. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like Seventy-seven yards. Like uh, I could see it being like 55 yards or something like that. But I do think him and Casey have been close to hooking up on that type of play and uh, may, maybe this week. But he'll he'll get the ball a lot. Brunt? Uh, I'll go with Marcus Washington. I think he's trending in a positive direction. 
I think you have the added juice of the former Texas, Oklahoma stuff. So uh, I, I'll go with him. And yeah, I, th- that that's the direction I'm going. It's it's a tough one this week. I, I don't. Uh, I'm tempted to pick somebody for Oklahoma, but we'll go Marcus Washington. Schaefer, you got a defensive player? Uh, yeah, I, I do actually. I'm going to go with Isaac Gifford. I think he's going to lead Nebraska in tackles with 15, 15 <laughs> stops for Isaac Gifford, which might tell you the kind of day it could be in Lincoln. But 15 tackles, Isaac Gifford pick to click. All right, score prediction time. I am fascinated because I have no idea what any of you are going to do. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start. Nebraska loses 37-13 to Oklahoma on Saturday. BC. Um, I think it's going to be more of an offensive game, uh, and I'm going to say Oklahoma 45, Nebraska 28. And I'm really curious if Bruns has done the math to figure out his three field goals to work out a score properly. <laughs> we, we like to try to keep Bruns honest. We're going to go right to Bruns right now. That's right. Uh, I, I don't know that it's going to be that offensive on, on Saturday. It might be offensive, but I think Oklahoma wins. I'm going to say 34 to 22. And I think Nebraska punches one in late to, to make it scroll a little better. There we and, go. Uh, to, to, to have some good feelings heading into the bye week. Max, are you familiar with the scroll phenomenon that Brunts has been pushing for five No, let's now? hear it. Basically, that uh, you, you, you get late scores to make a, a game scroll well on the, on the ESPN scroll. It's like Nebraska had the, – the, the Best example is Nebraska-Penn State in 2017. Nebraska lost that game by probably 50 points, but they uh, they tacked on a late Jack Stoll touchdown to, to make that one look okay on the scroll. Mm, yeah. Tanner Lee had a day that day, didn't he? In the he fourth quarter, he did, yeah. yeah fourth quarter. That's what yeah. he's talking about. 56-44 was the final score. So if someone looking at it, it's like, oh, that was an interesting game. Man, and that was a shootout. 63-10 kind of game. <laughs> it really felt like Saquon Barkley could have had 5,000 yards in that game if, if Penn State would have chosen to go that way. But yeah. All right, Max, your score prediction for Saturday. <clears throat> all right. I Here's the thing. So last weekend, I went to uh, Alabama, Texas. And I thought that it was going to be the kind of game that we were talking about here, right, in terms of a blowout. Uh, so I'm going to take Oklahoma 20 to 19. <laughs> and uh I, i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go under here um i don't really believe that but i'm just gonna take it and, and try to contrast what you guys are doing here um i man that would be i mean nebraska finding a way to lose by a point would be uh pretty tough uh but uh yeah i i i kind of expect that that there's just gonna be a little bit of a bump this week that guys are gonna play play hard for chins and the rest of the staff and that they're gonna play hard for mickey and that I don't, I don't, it doesn't magically solve all your problems, but um, I could see this game, you know, being competitive. Or like you said, maybe there is that kind of that fourth quarter push there that, that keeps it close. I what, don't know what? if Nebraska can Nebraska fans handle the interim coach's first game being a one score loss right now. Is this a thing that the fan base is going to handle? Well, wouldn't peak Nebraska football be Nebraska somehow winning this game by three points. I mean, sure. 
Like, and then, and then, just the newspaper headline says like "curse is broken" or something. Yeah, like, like you just suffer through four four plus years of close losses, and then you just pull through in the first opportunity. Look, it's it's not inconceivable. I know I have Oklahoma winning by like twenty four points, but uh, <laughs> it, it wouldn't be the weirdest thing. We just saw Appalachian State knock off Texas A and M on the road. Like, yeah, it, college football is wild for a reason. Nebraska has rarely been the reason that it's wild. So, wait, so, I, I'm curious, like, how have you guys modified at this point your expectations of, like, what this record's going to look like now? Because me, like, me personally, I was kind of more in the, like, I thought they would win six and kind of be right in that kind of awkward spot there of what do you do. And I'm not saying it's – I mean, if you don't win your non-conference games, it's hard to get sure. to six, right? But I'm curious what you guys, like if you were to redo kind of your August prediction now, like what, based on going interim the rest of the year now, like what do you, what would you think this thing ends up at? I, I think Nebraska can still win four or five games. I just think this is a really tough first week matchup. Yeah. Uh, that schedule that includes Indiana, then at Rutgers on Friday, at Purdue, the bye week, and then Illinois. If you could, I mean, it's, you could sell me on Nebraska winning all four going three and one. I mean, at worst going two and two, I just think they have more talent than they've played with uh, so far this season. So I, I don't expect Mickey to struggle necessarily. I just think this first matchup is really tough Mm -hmm. on a quick turnaround. Uh, But I, I think that middle part of the schedule, they can win some of those games. And then look, Iowa and Wisconsin are not nearly as good as they have been in the past couple of years. So those games feel more winnable now. I mean, this the schedule sets up that Nebraska could stack a few wins. I just I don't I don't necessarily look for a uh, six and three finish. So I guess. BC Brunts, what do you guys think? I mean, I think I had them um, seven and five at the beginning of the year was my prediction, and now I would. I mean, honestly, I would say probably four and eight or five and seven. That's probably my guess. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I've dropped it a couple. And it's a defense. I mean, I just don't – I haven't seen anything from the data point so far to suggest um, they've got the answers there. Now, that football's weird. So, you know, sometimes you, you, you find something and it, 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 it looks way different than everybody expects it to, and maybe this is the week that happens. So I always have an open mind about that. But off we, what we've seen so far, when you don't have a defense that can stop the run, it's very hard to have any faith. Absolutely. Yeah, I – I would just say I, the the defense being what it is right now, unless there's like significant changes coming out of the bye week in terms of how they play, like I don't see them being able to stay on. I think I had seven and five at the start of the year is what I'd said, and uh, you know they get some work done in that that middle section. Maybe maybe you can surprise some people late, but not uh, you're not going to beat Wisconsin and Iowa as bad as they are with the defense the way that it is right now. All right. Uh, any closing thoughts for anybody? Anything you want to get off your chest before we end this podcast? <laughs> no, not, no I one has anything. Yeah, they have no. no confessions. They have no uh, exciting news facts or anything that they can bring to the table. It felt. It feels like you know something about one of us, and you want us to like yeah. come come clean with it. What are you thinking? <laughs> at? I got up. <laughs> I just wanted someone to get us out of here, and I guess I'll do it. All right, be sure to check out Husker 24-7 right now. Obviously, plenty of coverage going on with Nebraska. Uh, Full bore into a coaching search here on September 15th. Wild times. uh, We're going to have to change up our coverage. It'll be – 
it'll be different for us, but we're going to have stuff I really thought different. you guys were just going to be asking me all about Matt Campbell and Chris Kleiman and those guys today, but that's Different cool. podcast, Max. <laughs> different day. Yeah, you're coming that's back. A, that's the Husker 24-7 Hypecast <laughs> coaching search edition. We'll uh, we'll let you know when that one happens, but uh, <laughs> Let's right get now we're, just, we're trying to remind people there's still nine games left in this season despite not having a head coach. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So uh, you can get all of our coverage at Husker247.com. We'll have more podcasts as well. There'll be another Sunday side session. Damon Benning will be joining to uh, to break down Nebraska's game against Oklahoma. So that'll be on Sunday as well. Of course, plenty of game coverage for Mickey Joseph's first game as Nebraska's interim coach on Saturday as the Huskers take on Oklahoma. For Max Olson, Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts, I am Mike Schaefer, and we'll catch you next time here on the Husker 24-7 Hypecast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.